This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I'm going to get straight into it. I want to just really begin by thanking Pastor Tom and Pastor Bonnie for this opportunity to stand before you at this Kingdom Prayer Conference. This has been the hardest assignment that I've ever had. I have, I've, I've really f- struggled within myself concerning this assignment, and, and I don't know, I, I believe there's a weight concerning this particular conference. There's a weightiness about this conference. I remember last night I was, I was up and I was still trying to get that release. You know when you have a message and you're building up on a message, and you haven't yet gotten that release? I hadn't gotten that release. So I decided I would stay up and I was praying and I was lying on the, uh, in, the, in, in our lounge and I was there lying prostrate and I was just, I was praying. And I prayed and I prayed and at some point I fell asleep. But my wife came and joined me at about 2 a.m. and she laid hands on me and she began to pray for me. Again, I was seeking this release. Well, she prayed for me and about 5 a.m. I got up and got up and I started taking a shower. I still didn't have that release. But as I started taking a shower, something hit me, and, and I can't explain it, but there's this knowing that you just know, that you know that God is saying, that's the release you're looking for. And there was this release, and I sensed this release, I sensed, but I had been struggling. From the moment I was told that I would be sharing, I was struggling with this, and I felt like this is a very heavy assignment. Because the people of God have been praying and fasting, prayer conference, people have come and expectant. I said, Lord, I don't want to just stand here and just speak another message. I want to speak what's what's on your heart. I believe the people of God didn't come here for another message, but they came to hear what the Lord is saying to his people in this season. And so I said, Lord, speak to me. Give me that confirmation. Well, early this morning after I received, after I got that release, God then began to confirm. And all along, I don't know why God does this. I don't know why he waits until the last hour to give you that release. Pastor Tommy invited me to a meeting that he was invited to early in this morning and it was for for leaders, leaders in the body of Christ who were invited to come and speak about certain things uh, about our nation. And so we gathered at this place and as they began to speak, I began to hear what God had been speaking to me being spoken through the facilitators. And as the moment I began to see that again, I said, God, thank you for the confirmation. How many of you know that sometimes you need that confirmation from God? And so after that, I said, Lord, I believe that this is the word that you're giving me to share with your people. So today, I really believe that God has put upon my heart a a, a word that I believe is prophetic in nature. I'm not going to say I'm a prophet. No, I'm not. But I believe it is prophetic in nature. And if you would receive it by the Spirit, I believe that uh, God would do something unique in this season. Amen? In the 2017 word, Pastor Psalm says this, we are entering into the days of the king. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what will get you excited. He said we are entering into the days of the king. Let me say that again until you get really excited. He said we are entering into the days of the king. You see, last year I had the opportunity to travel to China, and I went to Beijing, China, and I went for a conference, and as part of the itinerary, we had an opportunity to visit the Forbidden City in Beijing. And let me just say this, 
I didn't, know what I, I didn't know what to expect. You know, I've heard about this forbidden city where the emperor used to live. If you remember back in those days, China was ruled by an emperor. And so I went, we went there, and I remember we got to this first place we were dropped off. And I kept asking the people that we're with who were hosting us, have we now gotten to the forbidden city? And they said no. And we went through the security check, and I thought, like, okay, so where is this thing? And we walk through this place, and there's this, this massive courtyard, massive. And there's so many people, and I'm just walking. I'm thinking, okay, so what is this forbidden city? Well, finally we get to this massive gate. I'm telling you, I've never seen a gate that big. Huge gates. And we enter into this gate, and again, there is this massive courtyard. Massive. I mean, looking at this place, a massive courtyard. And I asked the tour guy that is with us, I said, have we now got into it? And he said, well, not really. We haven't yet really. So we go through the first courtyard and we go into the second and we're in the second and again, it's another massive place. And he says, not yet. Well, eventually we get to this final gate, this third gate. And you can tell it's different. In fact, there isn't just one gate, there's three gates. The tour guide begins to explain to us and says, this gate is for the emperor. This is the gate that the emperor used. No one else used this gate. This is the gate that his government, his top government officials used. And this was the gate that lower ranking officials used. So there was three gates to enter in. They said that if, if you made the mistake of entering through the emperor's gate, your life could be taken. It would be seen as treason. It would be seen as a huge assault to the emperor. So we walk in and we walk into again this massive quarter, but now there's difference. Now you begin to see certain things and you begin to see, and every, I'm telling you, this place is massive. We could only work, walk straight because there is, there, is, there is distance to your right, there is distance to your left. It is huge, it is a kingdom, it is a city in itself. It is a city. And I began, we began to walk through this and they began to tell us the history. They began to tell us the protocols of who would meet the, the emperor at a certain place. There are certain places that he would meet certain people. And every place that we would go through, there's always a gate that leads to the next place. Every place that we would get to, there was always this throne that was put, erected just for the emperor, where he would sit. I'm telling you, we walked, over an hour we walked. I've never seen something so massive in my life. But as I began to walk through this, I began to realize that this was an earthly king, this was an emperor. You see, if this, is the year, if this is the year where we believe we are entering into the days of the king, I truly believe as a church we need to understand kingdom protocol. We need to understand kingdom rulership. We need to understand kingdom authority. We need to understand kingdom dominion. Kings decree and declare things. We need to understand that the final word of the king is the final word. So there are certain terminologies that you and I have to begin to start embracing in this season. You see, Pastor Tom said this yesterday. He said, we must understand that we are seated with him in heavenly places. Do we really believe we are seated with Christ in heavenly places? Or are we still those who are caught up in the rut of complaining? There's something that Pastor Tom says in the 2017 word. He says this, kings... And I want to say this, I'm, I'm, I'm adding, I'm saying kings, but he said this. In this year, we cannot have the victim's mentality. Kings do not have victim mentalities. If we are going to be his representatives here on earth, the prayer that Pastor Hal prayed, which is the prayer for this season, thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done. If we are going to enforce the kingdom of God here on earth, then you and I have to understand we cannot have a victim's mentality. The Bible talks and says, says that we are kings and we are priests. How many of you would agree with me that in this nation, there are many issues that need to be addressed? Socially, I began to look at some of the stats. Socially, we are 50% under the poverty line in, as a nation. 50% of our nation lives under the, po the poverty line. We went through our season of cholera, but how many of you know we're threatened with this thing again as we see erratic water supplies in our nation? AIDS is rampant. School fees. How many parents are struggling to pay for school fees for their kids? Kids are going home. Kids are staying at home because parents cannot afford to pay for school fees. We have been rated amongst the top nations in terms of corruption. Not to mention the potholes that we see as we drive along the road. Economically, 80%, I think it's even, even higher than that, unemployment. Bond notes, I don't have to say much about those. 2016, do you know what happened in the first half of 2016? 230 businesses closed. I saw a headline yesterday in the Daily News which said, Zimbabwe is running out of US dollars. I don't know if any of you saw that. Politically, how many of you ever knew this? That we have over 50 political parties in this nation. I don't know about you, but that shows me that there is so much division, that there is so much, everyone is trying to make a plan. I don't know if you know the succession plan in this nation. And so with all these issues, my question to us as the body of Christ is what are you and I doing about it? As we see this decay, this moral decay in politics, in society, what are you and I doing about it? Or are we those who say, I would rather shut myself in the prayer closet? You see, as Pastor Tom was speaking yesterday, I felt like God said this to me. I believe this is a word for me. I, may, I don't know if, this will be, if you will concur with this, but I want to share this. This is what I heard God say. Prayer is not complete until you and I have done what we heard in prayer. You see, a lot of us can pray. We can go before the Lord and pray. And we hear something from God. But the question is, are you doing what God has told you to do? I believe the biggest challenge is not that we don't pray as a nation, but it's the implementation of what God tells us in the place of prayer. It's the strategies that we, you, you and I must be executing. Thy kingdom come. How many of you know that's not just going to happen? It's going to happen when you and I get involved in politics, in the society, in education, and begin to bring the kingdom of God in those big different sectors. But as long as we're that church, we believe that, you know what, it's okay, I'll just, I'll just pray at home. I believe it won't affect these things. And so what is the solution to the season that we're in? I want to give you the title of my message now as I said all of that to bring you to this, which is what I believe really God wants to speak to us. This is what I believe if you put up the slide. I believe we're in a time to make bold moves. I believe it's time for the church 
to make bold moves. I look at that little guy. I don't know if you guys remember, there was this guy called Yokozuna in wrestling. It kind of reminds me of Yokozuna. But I look at this little guy and he's about to take on this big giant. Because I believe in the church, we can no longer ignore what's happening around us. If this is indeed the year of the crowned king who has a sword in his hand, then as his representatives, you and I must begin to bring kingdom rule wherever we go. So here's the scripture that I want to share. And again, this is in the 2017 word. If you go to the next slide, please. It says, now when they saw the boldness, I want you to say that with me. When they saw, now I want you to say, now when they saw the boldness. Now when you say boldness, I want you to say it boldly. Say, now when they saw the boldness. They could see the boldness. Boldness cannot be hidden. If you are bold, you don't have to, it cannot be hidden from people. It says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained. Let me give you a backdrop to this particular verse. If you read the chapter beginning from verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 1. Peter and John have just been abducted. They've just been put in prison. Why? Because these guys are radical. These guys are going around and they're preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going around, they're laying hands on sick people and they're recovering. They have a boldness about them. It says in the scripture just before this, it says that over 5,000 people had come to a knowledge of Christ through Peter and John. Wow. And so when this started happening, the Sadducees said, no, 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 what is going on here? So they get them and they're throwing them in prison. And then just before we get to this verse, they come out and they start speaking to them. The rulers have gathered and they start addressing them, saying, by which power are you guys doing this? Who do you guys think you are? Here's what Paul, here's what Peter and John say. It says, Peter and John filled with the Holy Spirit. If ever there's been a time where the church needs to be full of the Holy Spirit, it's now. Full of the Holy Spirit. Not full of food and everything else. Full of the Holy Spirit. Huh. It says, they say this, let it be known to all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man stands before you. There was a man who had just been healed. And he says this in verse 11. He says, this is the stone which was rejected by the builders, which has now become the chief cornerstone. It is at this point that the Sadducees come and then they say, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived, because the Sadducees were very educated people, very educated in scriptures. So they couldn't recall seeing Peter and John in the classes that they had attended. And so they were trying to understand where this boldness was coming from. But let's get to the final part of this verse. It says they marveled. You see, church, until those who are opposing us begin to marvel, we haven't really begun. If the only people who are talking about what you're doing is in the church, we haven't begun. But when those who are opposing you begin to marvel, and it says this, they said, 
and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Ooh. They realized that these men had been with Jesus. They realized that they weren't, they weren't educated men. They hadn't been educated in the system, but they realized that these men had been with Jesus. Bill Hybels, founder and senior pastor of Willow Creek Community Church in the U.S., writes a book called Leadership Axioms, and he writes this. He says, we noticed that the primary reason we were making significant progress as a church was that we had enough people making bold moves. A church begins to progress, significant progress, when the people begin to make bold moves. He goes on to say this, in life, you will never take on big hills without making bold moves. Whew. In life, you will never take on big hills. I started telling you about the social issues in our nation, the political issues in our nation. Those are big hills. But how many of you know you'll never take on those hills until you start making bold moves? This is the season where you and I begin to make bold moves. Can I give you another story? Because I started reading the book of Acts and I saw that it wasn't just Peter and John who had this boldness. In Acts chapter 17 and verse 6, it says this, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some brethren to the rulers of the city, crying out, this is what they cried out, These who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Do you know who was saying this? Do you know who was saying this? Again, those who were opposed to the gospel. Do you know who they're talking about? Paul and Silas. Two men. Now I look at that statement. Those who have turned the world upside down. Whew. What kind of, I don't know. I don't know if these guys realized what they were saying, that they were actually advertising Paul and Silas. Because you are saying that these who have turned, you are saying that these two men have literally, the impact that they've had is equated to turning the world upside down. My prayer for us in this season is that you and I may be those who have turned or are turning the world upside down. Who are bold, who are radical in our faith. Who refuse to hide. I believe it's the season to rise up, church. To rise up from the pews. Too many of us have been hiding in the pews of the church. The battle is out there. After you have prayed, yes, after you have prayed, prayer is not complete until you have done corresponding action to what you prayed about. And so Paul and Silas had free advertisement by the people who opposed them. How many of you know that the book of the Acts of the Apostles is still being written today? How many of you know that you and I are still writing the book of the Acts of the Apostles with your life, can I ask you, will you be found in the pages of the Acts of the Apostles? Ha. Will you be found written in the pages that Pastor Prisca, as she was in Kenya, did something radical for God, stepped out in boldness? I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of that church. I want to be a part of those people. Here's another scripture that I want to read to us. Pastor Tom read this scripture last year 
and it's in the Message Bible, 1 Corinthians 9 from 19 to 23. It says this, listen to this. It says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous, moralist, loose, living immoralist, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on the way of life. Here's the key part. He says, I kept my bearings in Christ. Church, we must keep our bearings in Christ. We must keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. And I'll explain why. He says, but I entered their world and I tried to experience things from their point of view. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into God-saved life. I did all of this because of the message. Listen to this now. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Church, the time has come where we can't just talk about it. We have to be in on it. You see, I don't know about you, but I want to be in on it. I want to be like the apostles who were in on it, who were in on what God was doing. So allow me, if you would, to ask some of these questions. Those of you who are amongst us, where are the Peters and the Johns of this age? The Pauls and the Silases. Those who are not precious with their lives. We heard from Pastor Howe about Paul who was thrown in prison, Paul and Silas. And they sang hymns of praise. They did not count their lives. They were not precious with their lives. Have we become, have we gotten to that place where we say to, to live is Christ, to die is gain? Where we're willing to say, you know what, God, I will do what you will have me do. That's where these men had gotten to. Where are those of us who are causing havoc in our communities? in politics, in the private sector, in the public sector, in education, where are we who are causing havoc and challenging the ideals of the age, who are challenging the ideals of today? And so I believe this is the question we must ask. What made Paul, Silas, John, Peter, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel, Esther, Deborah, the list is endless. What made them bold? How many of you remember the story of Esther? She was faced with a predicament. The Jews were about to be killed. It was not right for her to go before the king unsummoned, but she made a bold move. Look at Daniel. A decree had been made, but what did Daniel do? He made a Bold move. Can I give you the answer to this if you already haven't figured it out? Because this is where I believe prayer plays a critical part. The answer is found, and if you put back that scripture, Acts chapter 14 and verse 13, I want to say it again. Because therein lies the answer of what made these men and women so bold in their approach. It says, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Church, we're in a season where we must be with Jesus, where we must spend time in prayer, spend time before his face, because it's in that place where boldness begins to rise up. Have you and I spent enough time in prayer 
to allow for the spirit of boldness to begin to rise up on the inside of us. When you look at all these men, what did Esther do when she heard of the decree? What did she do when Mordecai sent news of what was about her? What did she do? She went and she fasted and prayed. She went before the Lord. Before she went to the king, she prayed. What did Daniel do? The moment he heard, it says he went and he opened up his windows and he began to pray. Church, are we ready to be thrown in the lion's den for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are we ready to break, to break rank as what Esther did for the gospel of Jesus Christ? You see, these men and women, they possessed a different climate. They had a different spirit. They had a, a new culture that was birthed in the place of prayer. They constantly went before. They had been with Jesus. They didn't go with a victim's mentality, but rather they had the perspective that they were victorious in Christ. Edwin Lewis Cole says this. He says, prayer in private results in boldness in public. Prayer in private results in boldness in public. Church, I do believe that in this season, more than ever, in the 2017 word, it says we must spend time with Jesus. Because I believe that we are now in the season and the time where we must begin to make some bold moves. Let me read one more scripture to us that again is in the 2017 word. It's found in Luke. Luke chapter 10. It says, after these things, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. How many of you know that there's a place that God is about to go? In our nation, in our lives, there is a place where God is about to move. He says he sent them out two by two. They were ambassadors. They were representatives of the king. See, I want to be a representative of the king in this season. I want to operate in the authority of the king in this season. Let me read a poem to you written by Helen Cromer. I heard this at the Sultan White, uh, Sol, uh, Sultan Light Conference, and it shook me because I really believe that this is, this is, this is really it. It's called One Man Awake. And here's how it goes. It says, one man awake can waken another. The second man can waken his next door brother. The three awake can arouse a town and turn the whole place upside down. Many awake can raise such a fuss that it finally awakens the rest of us. One man up with dawn, and I'll add there, with boldness in his eyes, multiplies. Church, it's time for the one man to awake now. If you are those who say, I am part of this, I want to be part of this season. I want to be a part of the church, the ecclesia, that are not just ending in the prayer room, but as they hear, because when I look at the, when I look at the Bible, the Bible tell, teaches me that they would inquire of the Lord, should we? The scripture that Pastor Tom spoke about last night. They would inquire of the Lord, 
God would give them a strategy. They would act upon what they heard. I believe it's time for us to act. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.